1: Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be here with Stephen, an exercise physiologist and certified wellness coach, as well as the daughter of a successful financial advisor. She is the founder and CEO of Grow Wealthy, wealthy, where she helps financial professionals treat their health like a valuable asset so that they can retire wealthy. Her new book on health and wealth of advisors will be coming out early next year. Stephen, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. All right, so let's go back in time a little bit. How did you, you grew up as the daughter of a financial advisor. How did that kind of inform where you ended up?
0: Well, it all started in 1982. So this was with, my dad was with Edward Jones. This is years ago, obviously, when he was advisor number 700 and something. And now there's over 20,000. I grew up in that household and I worked in his office in the summers through college. I met his colleagues. We go on these advisor uh, trips, like award trips, and I'd meet all of his colleagues. And it had a massive impact on me as an athlete, seeing the financial side of preparing for your future and understanding that people don't always get to use what they save what they prepare for. And they would get sick. This is his clients. This is even his colleagues. They would get sick. Maybe they would die prematurely. And I was like, wow, there's like a missing piece of this puzzle here. And so when my dad said, Hey, I think you'd be good in this career. Do you want to join me? I was like, no, there's something that's not sitting right with me. I need to go out and do the health side of things. So I became an exercise physiologist and Went around the world, you know, launching programs, cardiac rehab. I did it all for 20 years and came full circle back to this group of people and was like, wow, I think I can help because there are some parallels between health and wealth that I don't think people are paying attention to here. And that's how it all started. That's my DNA. I call it my secondhand knowledge of the financial industry because I saw it from the inside, how the stress and the sedentariness and the dinners out and the travel and all of that stuff can make a really big impact
1: on these people's health. Absolutely. So for our folks who don't know, what is an exercise physiologist?
0: So an exercise physiologist can be called a kinesiologist, a biomechanical, you know, professional, someone who deals with the body and there's movement. So there's like the pulleys and levers, but the physiology is what's happening at a chemical cellular level. And when I took that class, my last semester in college, I was like, oh, wow, I need to go back and get my master's. There's so much to learn. And a lot of people, you know, think of metabolism, that's physiology. You know, they think of fat loss or fat gain, that's physiology, energy levels, that's physiology. So I work with all of those things.
1: All right. And then what are you mentioned the dinners out and the stress? How does How did your program kind of evolve? Because you took what you knew from growing up in the industry. You took from what you learned on the exercise physiology side, as well as some other disciplines. How did that kind of evolve?
0: Well, you know, I didn't really realize that was going to happen until probably five years ago, I would say. And I was living in Australia and I had this aha punch in the gut moment where I realized that almost everything I'd been teaching and learning was wrong. And the fitness industry was driving people in the wrong direction for health protection. When I got into this industry, 18% of the population was taking care of their health. 18%, that's it. 20 years later, it's still 18%. The dial has not moved at all and people are sicker than ever. So I felt like I was really contributing to the problem. And part of that aha moment was I was living in Australia and the stress had been lifted off my shoulders there because they really live a no worries lifestyle. At least they did. Maybe not so much now with everything going on. However, um, I almost died. So I was in the hospital. I got septic. I had to have an emergency life-saving surgery. When I came out of the hospital, my gut biome was completely different. My hormone production was completely different. My body was a different body and I started gaining weight. And then the stress started coming on with moving back to the States and all these different things. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to know what to do here. Everything that I have been taught is not working anymore because of this like perfect storm. And then I started looking at people like my dad in that financial industry. I was like, they're living in this for their whole career. This, this storm of, you know, toxic cocktail for disease essentially. And so I went back to the research and I started looking at how can you get in flow with your physiology, as opposed to like trying to battle your physiology. It shouldn't ever be that way. And what I found out is that it's so much easier than I ever expected, because you can just implement a few tweaks, a few changes in your routine without going to the gym, and you can actually get into weight maintenance that's really healthy and sustainable and on autopilot and when I discovered that, I created the Wealth Academy and I send people through. They We do kind of like what a financial advisor does. We do an assessment. So we look at risk. We look at assets and liabilities. We create a balance sheet. And then we go through and we figure out the best track for you to be on that's easy, that works because it should be fun. It should be easy. And then we go through coaching and implementing that for six or 12 months. And the result is people losing 50 pounds without setting foot in the gym. And it's so crazy. So I joke and say, I'm the exercise physiologist who doesn't prescribe
1: exercise. Okay, so I love that. So you talked about how only 18% of our industry is actively working on their health. So tell me a little bit about why you think that is. What is the problem? Why are we as financial advisors or insurance agents, why are we neglecting our most important asset?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. And when I ask advisors that, I'm doing tons of research for my book right now to find out what the thought processes are on that. And so many people start the career in finance and say, I have to hustle. I have to get my book of business. In five years, I'll focus on me. And then it becomes 10 years. And then they've been in the industry 15, 20 years, couple decades, and they look down and they look at what they used to be and they're like, uh-oh, I've traded one for the other. And that's really, it's, it's almost taking your health for, taking advantage of it, like that it's always going to be there for you. And it's not. We know for a fact that when you hit age 40, there's a big dip. When you hit age 65, there's another big dip. So that's the window between 40 and 65. If you haven't done anything, you better wake up and do something about it because that's going to predict your next 8,000 days, which is the average retirement for people in the United States, at least. So I think the concept that they don't really understand because a lot of people in finance think of insurance numbers. How long is this person going to probably live? right? And they want to plan for that number to get them to the end of that life. What they don't ask is the really important question is how long is that person going to live well? Because there's a discrepancy. There's a difference between how long you live well and how long you live. And that you want that to really be as short as possible. And so people are looking at statistics about numbers of life expectancy. And these advisors are not taking into account for their own lives and the lives of their clients, what that health span is going to look like, because that predicts a very different portfolio of what you're going to actually need to either play or take care of your illness and your happiness as well. And another interesting stat is that, um, I think it was two years ago, there was a study done, 81% of these, they weren't advisors, but they were retirees. And they said 81% said that health was the number one ingredient for a successful, happy retirement. And if that's true, and we're putting all of this time and effort into finance, which is important, it's a really strong second place, you know, along with relationships, but they're kind of missing half of the equation. These advisors are not only for their own lives, but for their actual ability to counsel, and to direct where their clients are headed. You know, it just it makes them more authentic when they're t- thinking about these things.
1: You are absolutely right. So, what have you found in terms of the receptivity to the program? How has it been received? How have financial advisors kind of reacted?
0: It's aha moments. Oh, wow, I never thought of it in that light. That makes so much more sense because so many people think of their health as a to-do and they think of it as a punishment. Like, oh, I have to go sweat and lift heavy things and not eat what I want to eat. And all of this, it's just such a negative. But when we reframe it and say, no, you already have the skills, you have the financial skills, and we're going to take those, transfer them to your health, and then it's going to improve this. And we're going to make it fun. We're going to make it, easy. We're going to make it something that you're going to see results without doing that much. It really is like, I had no idea that it would be like this. And, you know, one of my recent clients, he's like, I've lost 50 pounds and nothing he's 58. He's nothing else has ever worked for him. He's tried everything since he was very young. And the weight just keeps going up until this mindset shift. And I think that's probably the biggest thing. I can prescribe nutrition all day long and I can prescribe an exercise program all day long. But until you change the mindset that you have about it, about getting healthy and what that means to you and how it should be, nothing's really going to change for the permanent. And so it's a summarized by saying this, it's the difference between I can't to I get to. So instead of saying, take these things out of your diet, we want to add these things to your diet. I don't care if you keep those other things, keep them, whatever, you know, eventually you'll feel so good that those things kind of naturally crowd their way out and things really healthy things start to snowball in the direction of health. And it's really interesting because it doesn't take a big change. Imagine you've got two people, and I'm showing you here on the screen, but imagine you've got two people, and one of them slowly declines over the next 10 years. Nothing big, just a slow slide. And then the other person slowly improves over 10 years. The difference, the discrepancy between the two 10 years in the future is massive, even though the changes that each one made weren't that big of a deal.
1: Wow. And it's the same thing that we tell our clients in terms of investing, right? You know, you're not going to get rich overnight. Our job is to make sure you don't go poor. But if we're putting money away, if we're dollar cost averaging, if we're doing rebalancing, we're doing all of those things, it might not look like much in one year, but it adds up and it compounds over time. So you've almost got compound interest on your health. (laughs) Exactly. You mentioned that advisor had tried other things. Why do you think that all those other programs, diets, Jenny, Craig, Nutrisystem, whatever it is, why do you think those fail and yours actually works? What are some of the differences? Why does yours work better?
0: You know, the differences are that all of those programs have rules. They have things that you can do and can't do. And then you feel like you either failed or you succeeded. And it's always a judgment on yourself. The basis of what I teach has to do with awareness and curiosity, those two things. What are you doing? And then what would it feel like if I tried this or this or this? I say it's kind of like trying on pants. Try these on. Do they fit? Do they feel good? Uh, Not quite right. Try. Okay. Discard those. Try on these pants. How does that feel and fit? And so advisors love the numbers, right? And it's interesting how all of these people I'm interviewing, probably 70% of them belong to Orange Theory.
1: And I'm not I'm not. My, wa- my wife did Orange Theory for like six months and then she dragged me there for a school fundraiser to do a workout with her.
0: Yeah. And I started asking why. Why do advisors like Orange Theory? And it's because you get this really neat report, you know, how okay. much time you're in each zone and it's very analytical and the numbers are important. So the KPIs are important. People are looking at the wrong KPIs. When they work with me, we figure out what are the right KPIs to look at. You know, it's not BMI. It's not even weight. You know, there are other things that are way more important. And in fact, one number can tell me how your gut's responding, how your blood sugar looks and all of those things that are the drivers of cravings and feeling bad and the stuff that drives you to eat stuff you don't want to eat really. Um, And that's your waist circumference at the belly button level. If I know that number on you, then I pretty much can tell what's going on and I can watch the trends on that number. So basically it's watching the right KPIs, but then also making that switch and making it focus on the feeling. How do you feel right now? You know, and a lot of people, they're eating distracted And they don't know that their body is craving something, but it's not the the bag of chips. It might be a tomato or some water, but they're eating distracted. So their brain can't connect the flavor of the thing to the craving that they need. Once you start to make those connections, then your body starts to crave the right things. It's a really interesting thing. So it's through the head, through the mind, through the way that you think that changes it. It's not the right program or, you know, making the right decisions all the time. It's about becoming your own coach, being able to figure out when there's something wrong that we need to change or being curious about what it would be like if we did something different. And all of that sounds super simple, but it's a process to get those changes in the way you think.
1: Absolutely. It sounds absolutely incredible. Obviously, you've gotten fantastic results for the advisors who are part of it. How can our viewers and our listeners learn more? Where can they go? Where do we send them?
0: Well, first of all, I would love to interview anybody who's in the financial profession. So I'm looking for data for my book. So if you can go to growwealthy.com forward slash book and remember, wealthy is W-E-L-L-T-H-Y. So growwealthy.com forward slash book. But you can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm very, very active. I'm putting things out on LinkedIn all the time. So connect with me there, Stephen Gwynnup. And it's Stephen with a Y, S-T-E-V-Y-N.
1: Awesome. Well, this has been Seth Green with Stephen Gwynup. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thanks everybody for watching or listening. And we'll talk to you next time.